Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Welcome back to another edition of Longhorn Blitz. Uh, I gotta give a shout out to my friends at Horns 24-7, to the folks at ARN 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I'm Rod Babers, of course, my man Jeff Howe. He'll be joining us momentarily. Jeff's got a lot of stuff going on, of course. Uh, at any moment, the baby could pop out. So yes. yeah. <laughs> He's on call all the time like a doctor. I love time. the way you put that, too. You know what I mean? That at means any he's on call. the baby could pop out. He could just pop out, That's man, it. at any time. That's where he's at right now. It could be a Valentine's Day baby. That's when we're recording the show today. Pretty so happy cool. Valentine's Day. It's a Valentine's Day edition of Longhorn Blitz. Uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. The introductions. My man, Matt Butler, he is the master of the soundboard, man of many talents. A foot, a, a football, a fantasy football Really a fantasy football basketball extraordinaire. I, mean, I appreciate point. the kind yeah, words. I'll throw that out there. Matt I'll Bubba. say I'll say basketball. Football, I uh if there was enough if they could separate the seasons, I would lo- I'd be able to maximize my football time. But I, I've been pretty good the first, last two years for weeks one through five. But then once basketball season starts up, it transitioned that, to yeah. basketball. It's just that's uh, fairer is. when you look at the numbers, in just the, the way world, it plays out. That's where the money is. Well in, in the basketball world. It all depends because the biggest tournaments actually are in football, but when you look at football the way that the numbers are depicted isn't as natural. It isn't like you can it's have not as predictable. It's yes. not well based on the stats. Based well, on and the the, also like you end up getting a touchdown equals six points, right? Well, you need sixty yards to accumulate that, which may take you know three quarters. And there are more play. factors involved. Exactly. That could, that so, could, that could determine who's going to be productive. And not and, one and action yeah. doesn't directly affect the next action. Like exactly. say defense doesn't get affected. This year for the Super Bowl was cool because they actually for the first time did a one game one where you could pick defensive players. So if you got like, oh, they're going to be dumping down to Deion Lewis and James White and then get those linebackers, linebackers making involved. those tackles. Yeah. And you can get that going sort of. But that was the first time I ever saw in basketball every action has an opposite reaction or a benefit. So either that shot is being assisted or it's going to be yeah. rebounded. Yeah. And if it's a long rebound, it may be in transition that then will become an assist, and then you can feed, say, a good defender, uh, can turn offense into defense if you're going up against teams with turnovers. So yeah. it just every action, and then you get a bigger sample, 100 possessions, instead of just like random eight possessions in a game. Agreed. It's just more and more of a mathematical yeah. game. No, I agree. It, it just makes more sense uh, yes. in, the, in the fantasy realm. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just said he's a Very nerdy. Uh, I just started sport. talking about yeah, blah, blah. Well, hold on. Let me clarify this. went on a random rant real quick <laughs> that broke down. Yes. That's a lot of knowledge. I hope y'all out there, My you, you soak that in. You know what I mean? Because you can uh, you can gain a lot of wisdom if you're a fantasy expert, a fantasy nerd out there from my man Matt Butler. Alright. Uh, you can always, uh, like I said, you can hit us up. You can hit me up via Twitter at Rod yes. Babers if you want to hit me up about anything we talk about on the Blitz. Matt Butler, you used to let, type uh, in Longhorn Blitz, Blitz and you'll get no, me. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. Right, right there to the point. Alright, so we'll talk more about the 2018 Revolution, all right, that class of 2018 for Tom Herman. There are a couple other things I want to bring up about it. Also, we'll talk about uh, Derek Chang. He went on, there's a podcast that is done. I think it's Stuart Mandel who does it, and I'm not sure. I think it's Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman that do it together. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken. It's a really good podcast, but he did an interview, and he went on their podcast. He talked about college football and uh, talked about his role with Texas. And there's a lot of there's it's very interesting. There's a lot of mystery surrounding like the the New England Patriots like staff. Yes. Right. Because Bill Belichick, he has the fewest amount of coaches and like front office people out of all teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He brings it. He's got some guy with him who he's had for a long time. That's basically like his MIT um, uh, kind of big math brain. Like he crunches all the numbers, he looks at all the trends, things like that, and even applies it, of course, to football, helps him come up with game plans and all that kind of stuff. He's even actually years gone without 
a defensive coordinator. In the early 2000s with the Patriots, mm-hmm. they didn't have a defensive coordinator. They didn't name one. All right? And you go to their website, they don't really give their coaches uh, a, a, like a lot of descriptive titles about yeah. what they are. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. No reason they to guys give, give him a label you know what, I mean? of what like, he yeah. does. They lately have gotten much better about it, but that's how secretive and clandestine the Patriots are about you know keeping secrets. And Tom Herman's staff, there are a lot of people on that Tom Herman staff, Brian Carrington being one, mm-hmm. Derek Chang maybe being another that one. Carrington guy seems right. Around. Well, people are like, man, I don't, what the hell did that guy do? He's <laughs> really important. We know that. It's like, what does he do? He's like, like a young brew from young, what I'm hearing. Yeah, like, what does he do? So we'll talk about that because I think it's really, really interesting that Tom Herman's building this staff in a very Belichickian way. He's bringing in all of these great minds and different people. Just they may not have football expertise, but they have this um, this elevated knowledge. Mm-hmm. All right, about. Um, whether it be team building or whether it be about promotions or whether it be about marketing, whatever, and he understands what a pivotal role that could play in building the culture. It's really, man, it, it, okay, we'll get into it. I don't want to get into it right now too yeah. deep because that's some other stuff I want to jump into. But also, um, I also want to get into a little bit of the Calvin Anderson recruitment, uh, and he's a, he's the graduate transfer offensive lineman that mm-hmm. turns out, and I didn't know this, he's like – He's like one of the most heavily recruited players in the country, whether it be a guy coming out of high school or a graduate transfer. And that's what's sort of crazy Everybody about these gradu- graduate transfers used to be like, say, and we're talking about less than a decade ago, considered a dump away type guy. Like it wasn't used as an advantageous situation. But now, like you're saying, like you've seen guys be difference makers. Like Russell Wilson made it sort of become an idea and come more mainstream. Like, oh, no, you can go if you don't like your situation. If you got your stuff in order, go find you a landing we'll spot to spot. maximize yourself yeah. and you know right. it's that set last spot especially for these guys that if you are sitting around for that grad transfer very rarely are you say Garrett Gilbert in an underclassman normally if you're underclassman you're going pro but if you're the grad transfer you're really mm-hmm. holding on to that last year as a maximization year so yeah. finding that landing spot and now the school's being like oh let's find what kids don't even know that they're eligible or got kids that could become eligible after graduate and offer them this grad school because all you have to do is have something not offered by that school be offered at your school and then they can transfer into you without anything else so it's a great way for a school to be able like texas to use itself when it's well versed especially in a lot of things that other colleges in the arts aren't necessarily well versed in and be able to pluck some holes from that going forward yeah no it is it's i I didn't know i did some research on it and I, w- I believe now it's Texas, Oklahoma. He's taking a visit to Oklahoma either next this week or actually I think it's coming up this week. Actually, when Texas basketball, which we'll talk about here in a second too, yep. goes to Oklahoma, um, I believe he's going to be up there for his oh. visit. He's probably oh, going to cool. be at that game. It could be and like he was here. Peterson flip. Wasn't he here when I think he was on for his visit tra- here yeah. when Texas had their game against Oklahoma? Uh huh. We've had some of those happen, and where those yeah. that can go really good for a team or really bad for a it's team. Very upon there. You can be like how wasn't Adrian Peterson was on his official visit yeah, to Texas, Texas for Oklahoma game. by yeah. the end of it because stomping him. So it yeah, makes sense. Great point. Uh, so uh, so Texas, I think it's Texas, Oklahoma. It's the Auburn is thrown in the mix too. Michigan, Michigan. Michigan and Texas are apparently, and he's from Austin. He went to Westlake. So, yeah. you know, he's from Texas. So, Texas has a, a big, I think, upper hand. They got a big advantage yes. on most of the group. But he loves Texas and Michigan. Those were his top two. But he's got Auburn on that list. Herb mm-hmm. Hand, who came from Auburn as the O line coach there, now here at Texas, was recruiting him there and now here. Also, another advantage for Texas. And we need him. He's a walk in starter. He's already yeah. better than probably any, any lineman that Texas has right now. Um, and. I believe it's Auburn, Texas, Michigan, Oklahoma. Was it TCU thrown it? TCU, I may, may have. I, it's another, I did see t- there's but another they might school be. that was in there that may not be in there anymore. But anyway, we'll get to it. We'll talk about that too. Um, also, I want to talk about Tom Herman, the play caller, because he left the door open. He did not close the door. He did not shut the door. He could have slammed the door on him being the play caller next season. He did not. Yeah. He left it open. And, and he's a smart man. He left it open intentionally. All right. Yeah, there's no reason to close the door this early, basically. To basically, put yourself in a corner that they you know can I mean? be. Yeah. So he didn't close the door on him playing the play caller. So we'll discuss it and we'll talk about that too. So there's a lot of things we got to get into on the uh, Longhorn Blitz. And uh, let's, let's start, though. 
with Texas basketball. I know mm. we don't talk about Texas basketball much, but it's Longhorn Blitz, even though we talk mostly football. But we'll make it a football discussion. I promise you I'll weave it right back to football. I can, full I, circle, I, my Full friend. circle, no question. All right, so let's talk Texas basketball because the third loss in a row uh, to Baylor, yes. it, it, I don't know if it has killed the, uh, the postseason hopes for mm-hmm. Texas. Not a, I, I, I mean, I think they. I looked at the latest projections. Making it projections. harder and harder. The the Baylor loss dropped their uh their March Madness hopes by thirty yes. percent. I don't even know what it was before. That. It was if Texas would have won the game, would have been at eighty. If, okay. And they lost at fifty one. So still a better chance to make it, but it was really big. It helped. Pit jump basically Baylor would have been down at forty one percent. They win, they jump up to seventy. So it was going to be a thirty percent swing for either yeah. team. So with the Big Twelve Conference being so tough, yeah, you you probably see Texas even if they continue to struggle, maybe end up as a play in type team because they're going to leave those Big That's Twelve true. teams to earn your way in in those because they put a couple of those big school play in, then they'll put a couple small school play in. But you don't want to be in that situation because you know like. At this point of the season, just the five overtime games that you can think of off the top of your head against good teams, if you just are splitting those, you're in no doubt and may get the benefit, but now you're putting it in a committee's hand, and sometimes you know you got to have those results. And Texas has just been a young and inexperienced team, and unfortunately not having many road wins is the one thing. Like the Alabama win from the day after, you know, day before Christmas Eve, that thing looks a lot better now with how well they've done. But normally you got to have some type of neutral court or away from home wins and overtime loss to Duke, overtime loss to Gonzaga. Yeah. All those They're, neutral courts weird. are tough. Their losses are looking better than their wins now. Yes. Butler is struggling a little bit. They just mm. lost to Georgetown, I think. Right? Was it Georgetown? Uh, I didn't see who they lost uh, to, but still. Uh, okay. And then Oklahoma, of course, has been struggling mm-hmm. as of late, and that was a big win for Texas to beat Oklahoma at home. Um, and they got to go. On, they got to go on the road and play Oklahoma. They got to play Oklahoma State. They got to play Kansas. <laughs> Also on the road. The one lucky so, thing is, like, you look at the, the Mo Bama factors lucky that you have a star that literally the TV networks will want to have that's on very TV. True. That's like, a, it, a play-in game, that Mo Bamba, you get to earn your way the in. The Mo Bamba factor is, you know what? I got it. That's a great point that nobody's oh, brought up. Oh, he's huge. Now, because Jared Allen also was a, was he a lottery pick last year? Was yep. Yeah, he was a lottery Playing pick Playing Miles Turner and, tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, those nice. two are against each other. That's Last cool. two lottery pick, first round pick centers to, yeah, that nice. people forget about. Yeah, 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 Obama yeah. will be the third in uh, a row. That's get, Man, that is crazy. That's getting, actually, it's uh, working out in, I would say, in a negative way for Shaka Smart. Now people are saying... You've had two lottery picks the last two years, and yet still haven't been able to get and into the tournament. Look at Ben Simmons. With that. that happens, in the- you know. What I mean, no, no, no. And I mean, well, yeah, yeah. and I'm not on the fire shot totally bandwagon. I'm not on that shit. I'm yelling just, at those people already. Yeah, just bringing that up. But I will say that's a great point you bring up about Mobamba. That it is about dollars. It is about bringing eyes to TV sets, and he's a freak. And people want to see that freak on a big stage. Yeah. You want to see that guy. And then so playing even, games are almost engineered yeah. for a team like Texas yeah. from the great conference. And the Big the 12, star. like you said, it's yeah. the toughest conference, it, arguably, in the country uh, in terms of college basketball. So they get a benefit of that out there. How many of the next five games do they have to win? I, to to guarantee they make the tournament. If we're saying that they lose the first Big 12 tournament game, then it's going to be tough. You might have to win one of those road games. Like, I don't want to say that. I think Texas is going to be in. You just uh, win your Kansas. home games. So you win your home games and you'll be good. I think to be in just barely enough. But if you lose a home game, you might not be able to make the tournament, and then we'll be making yourself perform well in the tournament or the. So are you assuming they're gonna lose? Is no, no. Just saying, that, like if we're talking about how do they have to end the season? Because they got three on the road. Yeah, out of the Big Twelve right? tournament's gonna be hell, and it's gonna it be tiresome. Be and like to pick yeah. Texas to perform well. In that environment, it's going to be tough because Texas doesn't play well home. away from Irwin Center, yeah, and they that. don't they don't go on streaks. See, they don't win back to back games. They're the often. one type of team so, though, and that's yeah. sort of though that's just engineered with the Big Twelve because it's a home away type schedule. So it's just everybody is a bounce yeah. back and forth, win one, lose one. If you look at every every team's home record and away record, it's pretty similar in the way they engine. They don't let you. They don't want you sit sticking at home and then sending a college team on the road for three consecutive games. So yeah. that's sort of coincidence. But still, yeah, it's a it, Texas put themselves in a situation that wasn't even thought to really be a reality. Once Texas started off pretty hot after the Alabama win, then when after you know you lost first few games in conference, the blowout at West Virginia.
Virginia. But after that, when you put together those four or five wins in a row, it looked like Texas definitely locked up enough to be in the tourney. I still think they'll get in if they win those home games. But now you're putting in somebody else's hand. Yeah, I I, I think they got to, in the last five games, they, man, they got to go. I think they got to win three. I think yeah. I really do. I mean, I'm going to say it's a, just something like guarantee it. I said guarantee it. Yes. Yeah, of course, you know, there will be a debate. There is literally a committee that oh, talks win about one it. Oh, win one of those road games I'm talking about it. you. Yeah, you got to. Win at Oklahoma, three. win at Kansas, that will guarantee you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just I'm one saying. of those. You could lose another one and it's still win. Yeah, so I agree with you maybe. You win both your, your, your home games remaining, you got to win one on the road. That'll guarantee it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you leave it up to the basketball gods, which you don't want to do. No. I will say this about this uh, Texas basketball team. They they are almost a doppelganger of the Texas football team. Man, it is so freaky in so many ways. Programs have been that way it's since crazy. 2010, dude. I was talking to my brother. It blew my mind. Colt They're, McCoy. So think about this. Ten days before Colt McCoy gets his back hit and knocked out yeah, of the yeah. game. Texas was, for the first time in school history, unanimous number one in basketball. Yeah. Remember that season? They beat yep. North Carolina, Jerry World, Dexter and them are seniors. You go, and Texas plays at home on, like, December 29th or 30th against some crappy school. And Mesterona almost lost that game. And from that point on, I mean, Texas basketball was at an all-time high. You're talking coming off Aldridge year to Durant year to you had the Sweet 16 team with DJ to unanimous number one in the first time in school history. Texas football, we're thinking we should win three of five national championships. We got screwed in 08. Yeah. 09, we're going to be there. We're going to be able to do this. But then that basketball team falls off a cliff when Big 12 play starts. Ends up being 8-9 and that. losing to Al yeah, Farouk yeah. Aminu in a jumper against Wake Forest yeah. in the first round from being unanimous number one in the nation. Colt McCoy gets hit in the back, and Texas sports haven't been the same since. Like, Texas basketball and football have been loitering since. T- I mean, you had one decent year in basketball when, with like I guess, Corey Joseph and Tristan Thompson when they got, what, to like almost a sweet 16. Not That's yet. it. But everything, they've yeah. mirrored each other since then. They've been, had some good players, had guys in the NBA that do good things, but they don't maximize them. They get the old coaches ran out of town. Then you get the new black coach in town, and then they both go, and then we'll see what happens with Shaka. It's been weird. Man, that is kind of freaky that you bring that up. Actually. They align you go way perfectly. Back to the two th- so you, you taking it back all the way to to a ten day span to the two thousand ten December 29, two thousand nine to January 9, two thousand ten. That was the Colt day, and that was when the basketball team started to fall off. Wow. Yeah. So you basically twenty ten this injury. decade is your theory basically that no the Colt- this decade <laughs> there were ramifications. It was like once the <laughs> once it turned from the two thousands the Mac Brown two thousand wow. to two thousand nine. What was his record? Remember it was. Uh, like I forgot, seventy one and seventy. He had oh, no, the best all, all winning yeah. his decade, seventy four and twenty nine or ninety four and twenty nine, whatever it was yeah. from two thousand to oh nine. Once you hit twenty ten, the tens have been terrible for Texas. Uh, man, I'm gonna agree with you on that. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't. I actually they parallel each other too much, and they fell down together, and we didn't see it coming. That's the scary thing is when you don't even see it coming. You think you're on top of the world with both programs. And both programs fell off since then. Man, now see now you got me thinking deep on this. I, I was just bringing it up as like a yeah, you know a just something that's no, happening. Not a joke, but that, that this year it was yeah in the present. But now you got me thinking. Now I gotta go track. I want to go track this thing all the way back to you know Colt McCoy's injury yes. <laughs> since that time. Do I gotta bring that up on the show? That is mind boggling. You just blew my mind. Yeah, uh, you just you just blew my mind right now. Mind is blown. Uh, but getting back to the comparison this year, I mean think about it. Texas football. Let's go look at all the things that bothered us about Texas football uh-huh. this year. Okay, um, the offense was abysmal. It yep. was literally one of the worst offenses in Texas football's history. I'm sure it was really bad. All right, well, the I like the rushing stat from Jeff Howe that Sam Ellinger as the leading rusher with 381 rushing yards. It was the lowest total for a leading rusher for Texas football. Didn't he say since 1960? 1958. Royal okay, second so year. That, right, yes, yeah, we were like, it, it, it almost okay. got Royal fired. In today's culture, yeah. we were saying that would have yeah. got Royal fired. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> See, so think about that. 1958. Like, it was a really bad rushing attack. It was a Sam Ellinger show. We talked about uh, all that. And we talked about the lack of identity on offense. And with this team, the Texas basketball team, there is still a lot of, um, I would say, absence of an identity offensively. You don't know who they are offensively. Some nights it could be, you know, certain guys that will pick it up. Mm-hmm. There is no offensive flow. There is no, oh, I know what this team's going to do, to, you know, versus this team. 
we don't really know from game to game. And we agree they should utilize their size more, which is Mo Bamba the freak. Mm-hmm. And Osetkowski to have two of those guys. They really don't do that enough. And even they don't they don't attack the basket enough. When you got Mo Bamba in there, hell man. Just uh, just throw it up, attack the basket, and he will – the putbacks, opportunities, and the opportunities for offensive rebounds, just having him in there, hell, man, that uh, I think increases your chances for success alone. Just yeah, just confidence there. and speed and athleticism to you know, use it. In, well, which is your strength. You know, and that's the main thing that the one semi – and I don't want to call it a fatal flaw, but because when you're dealing with college coaches having to – basically elevate players the way Shaka did to get to this point at Texas systems are different and you know when your offense is sparked by your defense it's the same thing as watching a lot of other press teams like say uh Huggy Bear when you're up in West Virginia if your defense then sparks your offense if you aren't making a shot to then set up the press if you're missing those shots then your defense is sacrificed but your offense is dead like yep. your do- offense has to score so you can set up your defense so that's how it fuels yeah. these things that when you're in West Virginia they blow everybody out at home because they're feeding off that energy yep. they're playing confident then you're able to set up your press after you score if you aren't scoring you can't set up your press and those type of things you have to find pockets and we've seen Texas go more to a havoc style at times this year than we had in other years with Shaka because he has people to fit the system but that's also the idea of the fatal flaw whenever your offense is designed sort of off your defense is your main ideology because you aren't a great say motion offense Mm -hmm. or you aren't a great you aren't a top of the sport offensive mind there are very few of them it's why Brad Stevens flew straight up and he's in the NBA and you have other top tier coaches but whenever it bogs down, so Texas, if Texas could run, that's why I think if you just opened up the reins on Kerwin and Coleman and let them just go full speed, don't run anything, and then rely on your offensive boards and your length and things like that, who cares if you miss the first shot? It's a bad shot. You probably yeah. are the best offensive rebounding team in the nation. It's what Houston does with Clint Capella. You're that right. In the first seven seconds, yeah. the theory to get down, get it, then when the chaos is going, they're still trying to get in position. You'll win the chaos. Your athleticism yeah. your can length. win the chaos. Yeah, but yeah. It, then whenever that isn't there, or if, say, your guard isn't confident to take that shot or to go and run that style or your coach isn't confident in it, then you get stuck in a half-court set where you are taking away all your strengths, everything that you used well. Now you are having yeah. to go to something that you also will admit isn't yeah. your strength in running a half-court set. Yeah. So we've you seen the inexperience. Yeah. And that's why I would like to see a reset, like at the top, just run a pick-and-roll every single time or a pick-and-pop with Coleman and Bamba. They have some type of chemistry. Yeah. It's not very – like it is – isn't gonna be that pretty, but it's gonna put Bomba on display. And I love it whenever Ostkowski runs the offense from the top of the key, like your mm-hmm. almost power forward facilitator. Those are should be basically your reset. If you don't get the break, you don't, you don't get, get the, the, break, the time. Those are your back two resets your two three, and try yeah. something off of that. Your two because we've concepts. been successful. Because yeah. it seems as if. They're trying to run all sorts of offense, but it's just we don't have great offensive individual players and shooters. Like Eric Davis is good. We have good yeah. college players, but nobody other than Jace Febris is a great shooter, but he's so young and seems to have not got it for a lot of the year that yeah. he ended up not being on the court that much. Yeah. So you do have a few guys that can bail you out of a bad possession, but if you're just putting yourself into one of your weaknesses, that's a tough way to win in a conference where now you're seeing more and more threes from the outside like got to recruit shooters you got to get a yeah. surround them with feverses if you're going to be able to play in this conference if you aren't going to th- oh, use your athleticism to beat them in the first place I mean that's what Kentucky does and they do it well this year they aren't doing it so well but like sometimes if you got the athletic advantage that's just the way you got to take advantage of it. that's exactly right I agree with you 100 I, I love what you said about have some kind of and this is it also our, our issue with the Texas football the offense identity. right well, have a yeah, have a couple of things you can rely on once the you know the the the, the, the break doesn't work. You yes. want you want to get out and run. It didn't work. You got stopped. All right, you got to reset for the half court. What are your three concepts that everybody's comfortable mm-hmm. with? Everybody knows how to run. And who are the players you run them through and run them with? And that's personnel. And that's having an identity. And that's what upset us about Texas football. It was like 
well, the personnel decisions actually don't really match up sometimes what you're trying to do. Cedric Golden had a great— like The two, emergen- yeah. sorry, the two emergences in, from the beginning of the year to now, at least Coleman looks a lot more comfortable. Coleman does look comfortable. And Febris is earned time and now is shooting. So those are two freshmen that we weren't getting a lot from, say, two months ago that you're seeing. So if they can continue to develop, maybe it'll not be as bad as it's been. Um, Cedric Golden tweeted this out. Not sure why the Horns have had Mo Bamba standing at half court while his team shoots free throws, wouldn't you want a 6'11 guy with that wingspan underneath in case an offensive rebound comes his way? Mm-hmm. Cedric Golden really knows basketball. I used to work with Sid. You've worked with Sid before. Oh, yeah. Um, and Sid loves basketball. It's kind of his first love. And that's you know what? I, I didn't observe that. <laughs> no, I haven't. But that's but, endurance. That's strictly to preserve longevity. I know. But, but, I agree. But still, I agree. But still I agree. that's you not utilizing your personnel in certain situations. You need to make sure that he's fresh enough that when it happens, you can still have an advantage there. That is, that's not using Colin Johnson in the red zone. Agreed. You know what I mean? That's like, he's 6'6", for God's sakes. Yeah. Okay? So I don't care about, well, I, uh, strategically is what I want to do. Like, no, I don't care about that. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. All right? That is yep. not having Colin Johnson in the red zone it is inexcusable he's six six when you're on the three yard line he should be in the game and when you're shooting free throws the first free throw let him stay back there and hang out and get rest the second one when there's actually a chance for a rebound or whatever you need to put him in right there in a position to get the rebound Agreed. That's, i would say you know the I mean? only way that it is excusable is if because earlier in the year remember bomba wasn't playing full like all game minutes and barely sitting. So say he was playing his 28 to 30 minutes. Now, instead of sitting him for those six, you're keeping him out there but not making him the big man run the court for those four minutes Mm -hmm. because, like you're saying, his skill set on the court wholeheartedly is better than anybody's out there. Yeah. But – I would say that him just standing out there for a few free throws is better than him being on the bench whenever, which may have been the previous option. They're like, no, we can't take you off the court, Mo, but on this free throw, you know, you don't have to run that extra 40 feet. But think, that would uh, be the only way I could see it excusable. Yeah. Um, so that that's one thing. Any sense. Yeah, a lot of questionable personnel decisions uh, for Tom Herman offensively uh, and that staff, Texas football. Same thing with Shaka Smart. Uh, the offense is just abysmal. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Texas offense, I think, is last in the Big 12 in field goal percentage. Uh, Texas basketball, I mean. i got to make sure I keep it straight here. Texas basketball is last in field goal percentage. I think they're last in um, the uh, – they're last in scoring, I believe, in the Big 12. They just are not a really uh, explosive, pro- prolific offense. They, no. This is, that's not now. But defensively, they're considered elite in yes. a lot of categories. Uh, I think and if the defense works well, it sets up exactly. the offense. The offense then can yeah. finish on a break and exactly. set up the defense, and it continues to fuel. And but. Mo Bamba is the biggest reason for that because, of course, he's a game changer. His length is something that you just cannot quantify how effective that is. I mean, we've had numerous coaches across the Big 12 talk about that guy can block the sun and the moon. He's unbelievable. So the big the defense, and because they're a great defensive personnel for Texas, Kern Roach can, you know, he can – really do a great job of neutralizing guys on the perimeter. They got other guys that are really athletic. They're a long team. They got length. Uh, The Texas defense in football, also really good because they had good personnel. And it it had an identity defensively. And that's where the team was confident. That's how they win games, too. Mm -hmm. So there's also that. You know, comparison between the two programs. Yep, there are two good parallels right there. I mean, it's I didn't. And it, it seems that's crazy. when you said that, though. It just made me think back to the whole decade because it's no, really right. been that way, and, and, and it's been very weird. But at least, like, at least I've seen basketball trend under. And Tom Herman just hasn't had the time yet. Yeah, it's but yeah, not, yeah, so yeah. one year. I wasn't but, being critical. No, no, agree yeah, fully. But uh, Shaka, at least I've seen incremental improvement now it hasn't this been much yeah it hasn't been the much. season is not a failure yeah, i don't no, want no. to imply there's it. been failure before so it may not be a success though no if you don't this it depends on oh. how you do in the tournament whether i determine whether it's a success but it's not a failure you're in purgatory right you're now looking at indicators as a it's like getting fan. closer and closer to yeah. failure it's like which wasn't really thought as an option before and, and let me say this it also the, the team hurts itself a lot like texas football hurt itself we talked about this last week um, when jeff brought all the stats in terms of penalty yards and penalties per game Texas was one of the 15, 20 worst teams in college football hurting themselves. Texas basketball, the equivalent is the free throws. Yeah. You're just, well, I mean, like you're saying, assist to turnover in, ratio, yeah. Texas is by far the worst in the Big 12. By oh, far. Really? In a, and that's the best right, way okay. to gauge a quickly go. and efficient offense. How well, yeah. not only are you scoring, but is your 
teams scoring with each other yeah. instead of one so, badass yeah. like Durant and compared to how much you turn it over. And it also shows guard play, but that's the two things that Texas has said they need. So they're in a last in field goal percentage too in the Big 12. And yep. you say last in, what, assisted turnover ratio? Yep. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's, they are, they are, Lowen fans are frustrated because football, they've seen this story and literally mm-hmm. they're watching the sequel. It's that Mr. College Basketball oh, version of it. That's exactly well, what's happening. Are you going to lose at home to yeah, Tech? Exactly. The no, no, it, it, it's, the, it's the equivalent. Jeff Howe joining us We're right now. We're talking hoops on, on the Blitz this week. Uh, we started, well, I told him uh, he started with hoops. We were kind of talking about hoops, this football mostly. season, yeah. but and he's saying how eerie we, the similarities the have similarities been. between the programs. And I had to bring right. up the fall ever since the turn of the decade. Gotcha. Basically, on it was January 2nd. Was when Texas was still unanimous number one in the nation with basketball. That just fell off a cliff that season, and within that same week, Colt McCoy got hit in the back and fell off a cliff. Since then, so both with the uh, man, you might want to pull up a calendar. Was the BCS championship game against Alabama was the, the ninth? And, well, yeah, and then that uh, that basketball game at Cowboy Stadium against North Carolina. That was in December, with, but okay, I that was this, in December. Yeah, okay. but Texas almost lost to I A uh, and M Corpus Christi on J- January second. Oh, wow. And a week later was Big Twelve play. It started right after that, and that's when they started to fall off. And that okay. was the same. The, was it when Missouri Colt they got lost hurt. to first? I don't remember. Yeah, somewhere. I have it right here. A and M Corpus Christi lost. They barely beat Colorado and Iowa State. Then. It ended up losing at K State, losing and then at UConn, UConn, yeah, K State, Baylor, and OU, and Kansas. Um, so we ain't never been since no. since Cole McCoy's injury. Texas sports has never yes. been the same. Right. First off, let me get, <laughs> let me get a couple things out of the way since That's I am great. here. Um, yeah, this is more of a cameo appearance for me this week. I'm not feeling well today, oh, but man. I decided to drag myself in here anyway because I don't know when I'll be back on the Blitz. As a lot of you guys know, my wife is pregnant. Um, right. As we record this on a Wednesday, she is due. On Monday, so in a matter, oh. of, so in a matter of days, um, we don't know if it, if we'll have a baby on Monday or if we'll have to induce a couple of days after. We got to schedule that, so it's yeah. pretty hectic oh, right man, now. You gotta get me. Not feeling well, so and you're on um, call, baby call. Yeah, yeah, yeah so man. anytime that phone rings, I'm out of here. Uh, so the bottom line is I, I won't be here next week and, and maybe not the week after. I don't know. Man, so it's gonna know. be Matt and Rod kind of driving the the bus, so to say. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, um, but let me say this, guys, because I, I, I want to talk. Uh, While well, we got a couple minutes, a little bit of football um, on basketball. I just think, man, I know you were running off some numbers when I got in here. I think it's just inefficiency all the way around, and the fact that it's it, when you look at this offense, it's not a fun style of basketball to watch. And I think that's aside from the wins and losses, which you know you can take it with a grain of salt. Comments from a fan base after wins and losses, but I think the fact that it's just not a fun style of basketball to watch. I think that just amplifies every loss mm-hmm. and when you watch this team play Barnes. when you watch this team play man it's just like it's not even like i, I got on rick barnes was in the rick barnes there i'm like this offense is just like a series of random ball screens and then jack up a shot late in the shot clock this isn't even like random ball screens it's just guys running to random places and you might see a high ball screen at the top of the key and yeah if you it's not even like I've never seen so many pick and rolls where there's the the roll part doesn't exist in <laughs> in the pick and roll. It's just the pick part yeah. <laughs> that's going on. Um, need no, four spacing. Need three point shooters. Your spacing's not good. Your yeah. your the movement from the guards off the ball is terrible. Uh, you're having your bigs play, you know, too far out from the basket. Too with. Are you talking about Texas often. football? Or Texas <laughs> basketball. I'm trying to. <laughs> See, well, no, and, like but the funny just, thing is, we're just on. We're just on the hamster wheel, right? It's also though, wheel. like what we signed up for. We knew what Shaka Smart did. And he's no, the guy but with that's, Havoc. The, that's the that's thing, man. Fun. Like it's it's the Havoc was it's getting up and down the floor. It's pressing. Mm-hmm. It's and they're not even creating, good at that. They're not even trying chaos. to do that. Yeah, yeah, and then benefiting from the chaos, like you point out. Shaka's not doing. What got him this job? Mm-hmm. Like playing a very frenetic up and down pace, and, and w- like when you and when you looked at the way this team was set. Granted, Andrew Jones being out of the mix completely changed everything. Yeah, and I don't talk about that enough too. That's, and, that's and, something we didn't discuss. But, right. yeah, here's the thing, though, Rod. That does in, hurt. In year three mm-hmm. in college basketball, if the roster makeup is that deficient, that's on the coach too. Because in basketball, as much turnovers you have, mm-hmm. it's it's not as it's not like football where it's going to take several recruiting cycles to replenish a roster. You should be able to do that pretty quick yeah. if you know what you're doing. Not Mm-hmm. But the, when you look at the way this team was set up to be, it's like this is a team that's going to live off fast break points. They're going to be a great rebounding team. They're going to be a team that runs to the rim. And with Jones and Osikowski and Bamba, they're going to be a team that creates spacing naturally. They're going to be able to spread the floor. And granted, again, Andrew Jones being out has taken away some of that. But still, your offense shouldn't be to where when one piece goes out, the rest of it just completely falls apart, which is what's happened. And then on the defensive end of the floor, 
the effort's been pretty lackluster. I mean, you go back and watch the K-State game. That was not a good defensive effort by this team. I think K-State shot right around 54%. Matt, I don't know if you got the numbers in I front of you. I can pull it up. I think T- TCU was at like 57%, 58% mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, and you know some sometimes the, shoot shots go down because so at least that TCU game they were on fire, but yeah, K State was just ugly. Yeah, I yeah. think K State shot like fifty four percent and just not good defense. So uh, this team is in disarray, man. And, and look, I, I don't I think Shock is going to be back next year because I don't think anybody's going to scratch a check for, do all that. for sixteen yeah. million it's, that he's owed. Well, yeah. Yeah. Stop and, talking I mean, about that. They've that's also ridiculous. lost a lot of close games recently that now they should have oh, won, but that, you like know. Texas football. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But hey, I'm telling you, they're a doubtful game. As Rod would say, a, a Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj size, but <laughs> that seat's going to be scorching for Shaka going into 18-19. Yes, yes, it will be. And when you look at the roster makeup next year, uh, who knows what's going to happen with Andrew Jones, but yeah. don't plan on having him back next year. Can't do that. Yeah. You know Mo Bamba's not going to be here. Yeah, so no. you're taking you're taking probably the best defensive presence in college basketball out of the – like imagine this team right now without Mo Bamba. Yeah, oh, wouldn't be that's very pretty good. much what you're going to be next year, and you're counting on Matt Coleman to improve. You're going to be counting on guys like Matt Coleman and uh, Elijah Long, guys like that, to at least meet and probably exceed expectations if you're going to improve no in the big picture. No, so, I agree with you. And at least we've seen a great improvement from the beginning of the year to now with Coleman, I'd say. So see how it closes out. This may be all for naught, but or we may be yelling it's about It's a lot like we were, where we were at with Charlie Rod, where it's like, all right, man, if you're going to improve this thing, Sterling Gilbert better be as good as you think he is. I know. It's weird that it's it, it, just like Charlie's – I'm sorry to keep comparing it to football, to – that's like what we do here. Though. Disheartening thing. That's how going, we live life. Charlie's best, or at least his most successful result, came in the year in the team that he mostly inherited, like Shaka, mm-hmm. so yeah. far. You know what I mean? It's and, a veteran team. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? So that's also a little discouraging. It's like, man, so the formula, we're not starting to see the success of it, too. All right, all right, enough of Texas basketball. I know we're talking about a lot. All right, real quick, while we got you, Jeff, Okay. I want to talk about two things. I listened to... There's a podcast. I want to make sure I give them credit too, because I want to make sure. Uh, Stuart Mandel and Bruce, and Bruce Feldman, Feldman. Yeah, they do a podcast. Is it the they Audible? Derek... The Audible is that what they call it? Uh, I, think. No, uh, I gotta find it. I think they used to. I don't know. They might. Yeah, have no, they do. it is. I don't know yeah. exactly Audible what it's called. Audible with Stu and Bruce. But it is. Okay. Is that what it is? There you okay. go. Okay, so they do a podcast. They had Derek Chang. Yes. Who is uh, the Texas director of player personnel? He's got the good title. Good for him. Um, and he talked about his what he does with the team. And I listened to it. It starts around the twenty eight minute mark if you want to listen to it um but i it basically sounds like he's the head of a front office yeah he's a fr- he's, he's basically he's head like of an a front nfl general office. manager he's, he's basically all he is yeah. right am i right about this yeah. okay because uh, well, i know you know more about their responsibilities and yep. duties than i do but listening to him talk about him, like oh well, he's a gm we'll call yeah call it what it is uh, brian brian carrington and Derek chang are basically front office guys like brian carrington yeah if he were in the NFL, he'd be, would the, be, he'd the, be assistant GM. Would be the, the player personnel he'd be guy, right yeah. underneath the GM. Yeah, yeah. and or, and then Derek Chang would be like the general manager, v, vice president of football operations. Right, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that title is. But yeah, okay. in that hierarchy, that's there where you it go. Is, yeah. Yeah, and, and I love it because for Longhorns, we're not Longhorn fans aren't used to this because we're used to knowing what everybody does and everybody having an official title and there being kind of this old school. Uh, approach to building a coaching staff because it was that way for too long too long right so mm. now it's new school it was mom and pop as right. I think that's Tom what max, that, well max said that yeah, and it's like that. okay whose fault is that if you've been mom and popping it around here for too long yeah you know what i mean so now there is a true there, texas football has a front office yeah. basically is it fair to say that yeah that's, absolutely absolutely you know I mean? yep. okay so i just want to get if you haven't heard it go listen to it and i know jeff knocks about it, but that's what i got from it. i was like man this guy's just a GM of Texas football. Mm-hmm. He used to work for the Longhorn Network. Yeah, I like mean, eight and, years with ESPN or something. Like, and, and Matt, you can attest this. How many GMs in uh, Major League Baseball or the NFL oh. or even the NBA really their expertise is not that sport? Or they have just yeah. like a they have like a, a little a, a, bit of just a number a jack have, of all trades come in. Yes, like they're just a smart. They're like a CEO. Like yeah, a smart. Like CEOs don't really know exactly what that company does for a you know for their you know profits and revenue and actually what their expertise is. But the CEO comes in, streamlines everything. Yes, looks at the vision going <laughs> forward, where the company is, all that kind of stuff. That's what general manager. Like the Bob's yeah. in the uh, office space. And the consultants <laughs> coming in to come to let's uh, fix this right here. Get rid of that guy. The, yeah. the, the benefit Texas got from hiring Tom Herman is Tom Herman understands. He's not – you can say he's trying to copy it or whatever, but he's not trying to reinvent the wheel. He is following 
the Nick Saban, Urban Meyer model of this is how you win in college football in 2018. This is the organizational structure which you have to have to make it work. And it's Derek Chang, it's Brian Carrington as the assistant director of player personnel. Tom Herman's got analysts. You've got all kinds of different guys serving different roles that, that are going to help this football program. And and look, I I think the reality is, and people say, well, okay, you've got all that. Why was it a 7-6 football team? I think the reality is that we didn't understand, number one, how broken this program was at the end of Mac's tenure. Because as we talked about, and this is just – I've shared with you guys my theory. I think Mac was so focused on getting to X number of wins and how many games do I need to win and what do we need to do to win these games that a lot of other stuff on the periphery, important stuff, was getting cast aside because it was so tunnel vision. And Charlie, I think, was the right guy for the job in terms of somebody that needed to come in and show these players how to work hard and Get how back to do on track. things. The yeah. football, the football aspect of it. Yes, but we, I think we, it was they wanted. it was so broken that Charlie wasn't organized enough to fix to everything. To fix everything. To fix, he it, fixed yeah, some the, things. Or wasn't yeah. even modern enough. That's a great like point. I agree with you on that. He but fixed some of the football. He's like a COO. Yeah. Uh, operations. All. He came in and fixed a couple some of the football stuff, but Texas football is so much the football is like Forty percent of it, right? Exactly. It's it like really asking is, Will Muschamp to come in and yeah. run your business. No, but you go tell me what's wrong with the football field. Boom. He'll go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Tom Herman is the kind of guy that has the organizational structure that you, you need that. to win yeah. in college football today, and he understands that because he's been around Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. He's seen when it doesn't work because he was around Paul Rhodes at Iowa State when you don't have the the resources and yeah. the ability to recruit kids to Ames, Iowa, and having to really do things the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been at Rice, where you don't have great facilities. Yeah. Rodby used to sneak yeah, in the Rice Football's not stadium. a priority. Nobody right. gives a damn about it, really. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think now that Tom Herman's at a place, and granted, him being a Texas guy and understanding Texas, that helps a lot because I've always said, you know, when a guy is successful or unsuccessful, you can really point to two things when he's hired. Number one, does he understand the culture of the place he's going, which I think Tom Herman clearly does. Yeah. And two, what kind of a staff does he put together, which speaks to do you understand the hierarchy? Do you understand what pieces you need in place to succeed? Now, you can look at Tom Herman's staff and say, okay, the Tim Beck thing, how's that going to work out ultimately? We don't know. But I think in terms of being able to recruit, being able to handle player personnel, understand what you've got, breaking down a roster, doing all that stuff, I think he's on the right track from that standpoint. Uh, okay, uh, I, I know we're running out of time. I got a couple of things I want to get into Go real for quick. Shoot. All right, so Tom Herman essentially and it went under the radar because the 2018 recruiting class is what we've been talking about the most. And I still actually got a couple of things I want to talk about with that class, but it seems that he kept the door open, didn't shut the door, didn't slam the door on him being the play caller. Now he could have. He could have said, nope, it ain't happening. I ain't calling plays. You know what? I got two season play callers that are my co-OCs. It's great. Don't worry about it. That's what it's going to be. But no, he's like, no, if I got to do it, I'm going to do it. I think it says a lot about him that, hey, I'm going to do what's necessary, number one. But number two, he's a really smart, deliberate guy. Um, So to me, I think he is kind of giving himself maybe an an out later on just in case, Mm -hmm. you know, everything, the fit hits the shan. But let me say this, and I don't know if you agree with this, Jeff and Matt. If Tom Herman is calling the plays, that is actually – that means that Texas football is in a bad place. Yeah, because to get to that point, because he does, yeah. he has admitted I'm not comfortable calling plays and also being a head coach. He actually has admitted I envy the coaches that do it, like Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. and Scott Frost and Gus Malzahn. He said I envy those guys because I can't do it. He admitted that he's got to be in the booth um, mm-hmm. when he's most comfortable calling plays. He wants to see the all twenty two. He wants to have the God view of everything. Mm-hmm. So he's basically thrown out there these vulnerabilities like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't have any plans to do it. And that's why he brought in Herb Hand because Herb Hand is the plan B. And if he is, he's like plan D. He, I think he'll put Merringer in there actually before he does it. Oh, he yeah. does now, not want to call Now players. here's the deal. You go back and look at that bowl game. I think Tom Herman called, if not all the plays, a lot of plays in that bowl game, especially like the first drive because it, it was a different kind of offense than what we'd seen That's before. scripted plays, though. 
That means yeah, he could have been more involved with the plays and had the script basically made all the script. Just get plays. the camera view. I think he had a. I think he had a bigger hand in, in the play oh, calling. I, I agree. Well, bigger too. hand, but calling plays calling is different. Plays calling plays is, different. Plays is literally the headset on, and you got the script right here. I'm calling like, these we'll plays. Lincoln Riley style. He don't want that dog. He no, does not want but, that. And here's he why. Wants, he wants people. He wants it a, a group, a committee. Right, and here's why. I'll tell you this. If you're a head coach and you're going to call your own plays, do it from the minute you get there. Like the Jimbo Fisher, the Art Browse approach. Yeah, that's what I do. Ma- when Malzahn did it. Well, if the NFL right. is taking over the NFL, Shanahan and Sean McVay. Right. But Doug there's Peterson. been times, though, whenever a guy like Belichick like, will just start calling the offensive plays like he did but, in the no, mid 2000s. So, like, he, sometimes they do it out of he necessity. Did, he did. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes he didn't have it a does come if right. you know that it's not going well. If he does know his vision and. Thinks it maybe say game five, it isn't going how it should be, and thinks the blame may be there, and that's a difference in winning. Yeah, but then like in the same situation, you're admitting all the flaws that, that he could your, be in, in your management style of picking out coaches. No, to right. pick your so coach. that's a tough. Yeah. That's it, why, that would be a last resort type thing. Like the, everything's not going. Yeah, well. if you're if you're going to call the plays as a head coach, do it from day one. I agree. With and that. then if you decide, okay, this is too much to have on my plate, I need a play caller. That's what Malzahn did. I think you can go down that road. But if you're not the play caller, then you start calling plays, and then it doesn't go well. And so it's like, Looks okay, like a panic move. Are you really just kind of this kind of offensive guru that we yeah. thought you were, regardless you've of the circumstances? You've already fired your so, play from, caller if you've got to that point. Basically, from a perception standpoint, I'm with you, Rod. If Tom Herman winds up calling plays, if it's if it's a deal where he goes into the season saying, no, Tim Beck will be the play caller on offense, a quote-unquote play caller, and, and I, but I will have input. And then we get to, like, week three or four, and Tom Arnold says, no, I'm taking over play calling duties. Then we know, okay, something ain't right here. Something happened. Yeah, there's be Watson all over. From yeah. a perception standpoint, it's not good. But, I mean, I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't think just changing play callers is just going to fix this offense because there's a lot, of, a lot of other issues. I would love to yeah. know how many times that's actually worked. Changing the play caller. Yeah, well, you, you know, I mean, you change the play caller, and then it actually like it ends up saving everything. It's well, very, it's not always if you the go case. Back, like it's, I would almost, say it's, it's if more you the go exception back, and not the rule. Yeah. If you go back to 2015, you know I mean? it didn't save everything, but I think there was a point in the year where Jay Norvell and Jeff Trailer kind of got into a groove a little bit, at least in terms of. This is what we are, and this is what we have. If we're going to win, it's going to be with this. It's going to be with Gerard Hurd and Deontay Foreman in this run game. If somebody shuts down our run game, then we know we ain't got nothing after that. But yeah. this is this is what we are, and this is what we've got. Because at least that that offense, unlike Sean Watson, where they didn't have anything they could hang their hat on, at least Jay Norvell and yeah. Jeff Trailer found something they could hang yeah, their hat on. Yeah, but that's like, um, oh, man, what's his name? Uh, Coach Robinson. Is it Robinson? Is that what with who? For Texas. Greg Robinson. Oh, Greg, Greg, Robinson, Greg right? yeah, when he came when in he on 2015. Came in, yes, he fixed his defense, and like or you said, 14. the offense is fixed, but it doesn't 13. fix everything. Right. You still, still, there's a change, right. right? And for Charlie Strong, yes, you fix the offense, still there's a change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it it usually means the it's, it's a sign of the end times. Yes. Right. Usually, I was about to say, if like, we're at that point. like, oh, it's a sign of the end times. I'd wait till I mean? we get there first, yeah. too, because like, there's also the ability that you could have – if you were, say the blame is to be on play calling last year. That doesn't mean you could be a bad one this year, especially if it was one of your first years in that position with new personnel with also young personnel. So, you know, but until it becomes an issue, I wouldn't even be that worried about it. All right, uh, last thing, uh, the Calvin Anderson recruitment, I didn't know it was as big as it is. Apparently, like, Oklahoma's now in on this yeah, thing. He's going to visit Oklahoma this weekend. A&M yeah. tried to get in on it. They tried, but I don't know if they're still no, doing the top not, five now. It's Texas, no. Michigan, Oklahoma, and Auburn. Auburn, from what I hear. Yeah. Uh, I know he's from Austin. He's from Texas. Uh, what Percentage-wise, what are the chances of Texas getting him? 70%. It's pretty damn good. I mean, I, I, like I feel it. good about it, but here, here's why so you— So is there a 70-30 well, or is it 70-10-10-10? No, well, let me say this. Here's why you worry about this Oklahoma visit. You worry about mm. the Oklahoma visit because does Oklahoma push— Going out of con, just go, just leaving the state, just going yeah. away from home. Because if that's the sales pitch, maybe that doesn't get into Oklahoma. But if I'm if I'm Lincoln Riley, my goal is to either number one get, get him to come here, to get him to not go to Texas. Yeah, not go to Texas. That's a great point. That's yeah, a tough it sell, may though, not be so much. Yeah, you don't want to come here. Just don't go there. That's the Lou. That's the Lou Holtz theory. Lou Holtz used to say all yeah. the time. Look, if it, if there's a kid between Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan. Well, I know I've got Michigan on the schedule, so if I know I'm not going to get him, I'm going to push him to Ohio State because I don't want him to go to Michigan. That's interesting because I think that's different how R.C. Slocum and Mac thought of it because they were all about 
in my opinion, build a wall around the state, and then me it's and you will have a gentleman's us. agreement to fight it out between We're the best recruits. We're going to get them all, though. Because we want to keep them all here because it benefits us to keep them here. And yet they're like, hey, it's like no, it's like no, there, there's basically no rules. Like, it's no holes barred. Yeah, no man. Love, I mean, no if, love loss. If no that's honor OU's strategy, <laughs> too, right now, I'd be like, thank you for trying to do that. It's hard to get in Austin tonight to not like Austin and want to move away. And then Seriously. when what you have to sell is, oh, we've been in the playoff the last two years. Like, yeah, I think he's going to go if he's going to play and see Lane Johnson in the pros and, like, you see Cam Robinson at Auburn or, like, you know, a whole factory at Michigan. But those are O-line type situations where good O-line. That's, that's going to be Or a- you got the hometown team to go with. So that- is it production? Is it championships, you know, that they can sell yeah. away from home? Or is it Austin at home and you can be start of the movement in your home if you really like it? That's yeah. going to be up to, to Lincoln Riley and that staff to gauge the temperature when Calvin Anderson gets there. Because, Rod, you've hosted recruits and oh, you You've had, you've had your teammates a host of recruits. You usually know within the first few hours of a visit that whether guy, you're going to get that guy it, Yeah, not. you know. You know, because uh, if he ain't having a good time by like, hour three or four, right. he just ain't having a good he – do, he, he don't vibe with that culture. Well, Some, yeah. Sometimes – going on in Norman? Sometimes you got to take a Dory McCullough to a frat party and let him defend the honor of Chris Sands for you hey, to really know the guy's down. You know what? It worked, damn it. That's all we knew. He was one of us. And then he hung out with us the rest of the night, and it was done. Coach mm-hmm. was like – Coach was like, we got him. I was like – we got him. We got him, Coach. We got him. You know what I mean? And Rod B., correct me if I'm wrong, as a host, you never oh, lost man. a recruit, right? Dude, I want to say I was for that because Derek Johnson, they put on me too, and that was my first big one. It was like, man, you got? can you get him? I was like, yeah, I can get him. I was like, if, you know, as long as y'all ain't give me no restrictions, I can get him. <laughs> I didn't have no restrictions. Boom. Got him. Statute of limitations And, you know, like guys like Derek Johnson, who ironically was released by the Kansas City Chiefs, their all-time mm-hmm. leading tackler, he, um, you know, he was so big. I think it was like me. They had like preliminary guys. Chris Sims had to get in on it. Like everybody got in on that one, man. That was yeah. that was a must-have. Corey Red, everybody was in on that one. You had to get that guy. Yeah. Had to. You know what I mean? He was that pivotal. And worked out. Before right. we go, I want to throw one fact out there. So Notre Dame had to vacate 21 That's victories, right. which is the dumbest, right. the, the dumbest thing ever. Woo! It's the, Texas, baby! It's the dumbest thing ever it to vacate victories. Ever. Like, I, that's the – I. Cringe at the NCAA. Was that the year they went to the the national championship game? Yeah, but but never happened. No, I'm pretty sure it happened. Hating the loss, but (laughs) how does you might want to say why would that impact Texas? Because Notre Dame that bumps them back down to 886 wins. So Texas and Ohio State with 898 wins now tied for second all time. Wow, that's what I'm talking about, baby. So Texas starts out 2 0. You know, Tom Herman always talks about 1 0. Texas starts out 2 0. Texas will join Michigan as the only schools in the 900 win club. Ohio State's going to get there too because. I think Ohio State opens up with like Oregon State and Rutgers. So uh, who's number one again? Michigan. Michigan. Michigan's number like one. Like nine forty three or something. Okay. Hey man, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Texas number two. I'm sure we'll see something on social media from it from Texas about. We'll, it. we'll see. Uh, we'll see how close the two are when they meet in 2024. I think is the first year that home. That's home. a good. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, 2024. Will Tom Herman be still the coach at Texas in 2024? I hope he's still the coach at Texas in 2024. <laughs> that's a great conversation to yeah. have. Oh, yeah, man. You know, that, 2024? That means Texas is, probably that means Texas is balling. That means, that means he went on a Mac Brown-type run. If he's still there in 2024, he's basically at the end of his Mac Brown-type run. I'll Robbie, take- I've already covered two coaching <laughs> changes during my time on this beat. I, I, don't, I don't want to think about or anticipate right? when the third might be. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the Anytime, knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 1049 The Horn AM, 1260 hornfm.com, and The Horn app worldwide, where you can get Rod B. each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Famous plug. And thanks to Matt for making this happen each and every week, and you can get this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.